everyone. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Board Game Gambit Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about our top 10 of 2020. So by looking forward, we're looking back at the past year and seeing what games really made a mark on the year of 2020. Joining you as always is me, Nathan. And I'm Jackie. Welcome back, everyone. Um, my head is spinning with this looking back and looking forward and coming back to look forward. <laughs> and But I'll try to stabilize myself um, enough to, to go through this. It's nice to be back and it's nice to, to start the new year being back. Yes. So what have you played recently? What have I played? Um, so... Not uh, many multiplayer games, although um, <laughs> we, we have a couple of friends, Rachel and Ryan, who have been in our bubble since the very beginning. And so we were able to, to keep going together and playing games, uh, at least from time to time. Um, we have a giant new house that is ready for, for gaming conventions. But um, So what have I played recently? So my last few days have been full with um, Etherfields, which is a game by uh, Waken Realms. Um, they are the makers of, among others, Nemesis and uh, Tainted Grail, those big experience-based games. Um, Etherfields is at the same time extremely interesting and I think not up there with the others. It's basically a game where you walk into a, a dream um, and you are in this dream world and you are trying to get out. Which means, since they are very active in the thematic sense, that they made a very good job at the game feeling a little disconcerting like some dreams do, uh, both in what happens and how it happens. But that also makes for a game that is less coherent, less efficient. So I have had fun playing it, uh, but it's a campaign game and there are supposed to be four campaigns or things like that. I think that the one campaign will be enough for us. It looks very interesting. Well, first of all, it's beautiful. Um, really, everything from the the cards to the tableau, the basically the, the board which is composed, to the cards that you hold in your hand, the 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 theming of it. Uh, there are these dreams, and one time you are in a sunny day in a park, and another point you are in a factory, at another point you are in a dark cave, and there are monsters, but there are monsters that could be nightmares right you don't have goblins and orcs or i don't know enemy agents you have uh toys that come animated and attack you or and the business penguin the business penguin i, I actually managed to use it yesterday it, it, we gained it midway through the campaign and i never found <laughs> the produce but yesterday uh, i summoned it onto the board um it's it's very immersive. So while I'm playing it, I really, really get uh, involved in the story, etc. Mm -hmm. I think that the problem compared to other big campaign games, including Tainted Grail by the same people, is that this you go into a dream and then you go into another dream and then you go into another dream works very well for the theme, but that means that I, I am not clear on what the next step will be. Um, when I was playing Tainted Grail, I had, okay, we need to save this knight and go to this other place that's in the Arthurian legend kind of thing. And we had the overall goal. Yeah, the overall goal is to figure out more stuff 
but this mm-hmm. basically means just going to another dream and going to another dream and going to another dream. However, yesterday night we unlocked the epilogue, so today probably we're going to finish it. And I mean, the fact that we played, I don't know, 16, 18 games of it in January means that I, I like it, right? It's not a game that I, I dislike for sure, but I, I was maybe expecting even more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just by looking at it, it looks a little like darker than what you guys normally go towards. Well, Tented Grail is darker. Um, this has no actually very disturbing things. Um, okay. that, I think that that's another thing. They try to be a little deep. Uh, is our life really a dream? What is reality? What does memor- memory and identity mean? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that feels a little bit like work for me, right? <laughs> that's, sure. that's a little bit of what I get to in, in class. And sometimes they lean into it a little too heavily. It's like, I'm not here to get a little impromptu lecture on identity and philosophy. There are sometimes, like sometimes the stories are very charming and you read this little passage about the memory and things like that. Sometimes they have these long passages in which they... Uh, basically lecture you on dreams and things like that, but we just skip those and because they have no no game reasons <laughs> and they are probably one out of fifty. Um, yeah. But but they're very good. And that the game itself is very good. And actually, one thing that is very nice is that that I wasn't expecting the game mechanic is very good. I was expecting like in Tainted Grail, basically a choose your own adventure, which mm-hmm. I don't mind. Again, I like that probably even better. But here, the way you use your cards to move around, basically, you have a hand of cards that have colors. And you can either use a card for the color, red for attacking, green for talking to people, and yellow for uh, moving around and activating things. And then you have actions on the board that are like, pull the lever, and you read the story and see what happens. But also, each, each single card has an effect and they are so varied. There are some that teleport you, some that help you attack, some that allow you to de- draw from your discard pile. And they have a discard pile and they have the seal pile, which is basically where you send your cards to get locked for a little while. So you have to gauge, do I want to seal the card? And, but there are a bunch of combinations that sometimes, and that's intentional, it was in the design notes, almost break the the scenario. Like if you can find the right combo, you breeze through the scenario. For example, if you get cards that can reliably teleport you, um, scenarios where you have to open doors to go go somewhere become much easier. But can you be reliably teleporting or do you teleport once and then you're stuck like it happened to me at one point? So it's, it's, it's interesting, I think. And it works very well as a two-player game. So... They have so many Awakened Realms seems to have like a lot of different campaign like things. Um a lot of games that seem like they would be ones that you guys would like. Um I know one you backed, The Great Wall is from them. I think you would like that too though. That's supposed to be a straight up euro. Oh, really? With with a lot of bling. Um and <laughs> that's why actually we went for the don't don't hate. We went for the Meeple's version, not the miniature version. Oh, I can't play that. Well, <laughs> we have to. So, uh, um, no, because it was... Since it was a Euro, I wanted the, the expansions and all of that, the, the full experience. And um, 
and it was much, much cheaper. Um, One thing I think you might like more than me, I haven't tried it, I expect I wouldn't mind it, but I think you would like it quite a bit, is uh, Lords of Alice. I don't know if you've seen it. Because that that seems to be in in the area control um, side of things, about dudes on the map, area control, which, which you seem to really enjoy, but is another one where you're not just uh, fighting someone and killing them. You can build monuments, you can send your heroes to complete quests, and it's fully competitive, and it has these nice miniatures, um, but I missed on the Kickstarter for that, and I never went down and tracked the normal game. Um, yeah. It looks it looks nice. The one that looks interesting to me that's coming up from them is... Um... ISS Vanguard. Did you look at that? We did. We decided not to back it uh, for two reasons. So it's another one of those uh, very heavily experience-oriented co-ops. But one was that Anna, more than me, but also myself, we like science fiction probably less um, in practice than we do in theory. Like I love science fiction in movies and, and books. But whenever we get um, a game that is science fiction based, uh, it doesn't do it do it for us. We like things that are inside the ship, <laughs> like Nemesis and Battlestar Galactica. But yeah. when it comes to planets, uh, I mean, I'll play them, but they are not. Uh, and so, a game that is based on that might not be for us. And second, what I read, they were very excited about the fact that the game includes a binder, and you flip through the binder to find the right cards. Um, <laughs> And that didn't feel like I I wanted a, a more of a game, right? This seems to be sure. more in the ether fields and the um, tainted grail, and we have enough of that. Um, yeah, but it, it, the the art is stunning. It's probably their best so far. So, would you recommend ether fields to someone else? Um, it depends what they're looking for. If people like uh, campaign games and especially cooperative campaign games, it's a no brainer. Uh, mm-hmm. I play a lot of them. I am still unsure on whether I like them or not. I sometimes feel like I would like to move to the next game and I would not want to play that with, with four though. Um, because sometimes some moments become, okay, I need to just do this. And if you are four players, someone will find themselves in that position more often than not. Mm-hmm. I must say, I don't know how hard it will be to to get. I don't know if it will reach general distribution or, or whatnot. But yeah, I, I mean, it's a game that for someone who's interested in that kind of thing, it, it, it delivers what it, it looks like, right? I probably backed it on the tale of Tainted Grail. I have loved Tainted Grail, so I didn't look too much into this. Um, but if someone actually looks at the game and now that it's out, it's easier to look at what kind of a game it is and is interested in what it is. I don't think it, they will be disappointed. It's very, very solid. Cool. Um, so a game that I've played recently yep. is Twa. Ooh, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think. So I've never played Twa before. And I played it for the very first time on um, Board Game Arena with mm-hmm. some people. And first of all, the 
the board game arena interface is very user friendly except i will say one caveat except um if you click something through too far like if you're choosing dice for an action and you click the dice and then you click on the card and then you're like oh well i don't really have the amount of money that i want to do this action to the fullest or i didn't click all the dice by accident like i missed one of the dice that i needed you can't go back so that's the problem if (laughs) because uh for two of us the game was new and for two of us the game was they had played it a bunch before so um, it didn't happen to me, thankfully, but someone else, you know, wasted a whole turn because they were they didn't click on everything that they needed to click on. Um, but it was it was very nice for learning the game the first time because it just kind of you know did the things for you. Um, the one thing that I didn't really like about it also uh, was that. If you re-roll something, like, I don't know, it feels weird. Like, you re-roll, you click, oh, re- the dice, and then you click re-roll, and then it's like, oh, you re-rolled the same thing. And that happened quite often. <laughs> Which, I mean, yes, one in six chance to get the same thing, but, like, I would roll, and it would roll the same thing. Which was frustrating to me. But, I mean, that's possible in the physical game also, so. um, I really really enjoyed this game i thought it was very smart very different i actually went out and searched for my own copy my own physical copy of it because i really enjoyed it that much um it has so many like things that i like it has the the area majority it has end game bonuses it has hidden victory points it has just so many different things worker placement and then like building cathedral building the cathedral and putting different workers in different places and i don't know it just it touched on so many different things that i really really liked i'm just surprised that i've never played it up until this point i played it in 2014 um so i remember very little about it okay. um i know that i found it uh, unimpressive i didn't like it i never looked Uh, at it again Um, I also see in my notes that when we did play it we played it with um, wrong rules that (laughs) that impacted apparently only the scoring so we I don't know what it was but I have a note that we we got uh, the scoring wrong basically but that obviously might have uh, affected how we were targeting what to do as well Mm -hmm. and I mean, I I would try it again. It's also that I really, really don't like the visual of it. But I know that it's very popular. It's actually the one of the favorite games um, of my friend Jack, who also really likes Macau. So, and I I mean, I wouldn't mind um, playing it again. I see that it has a, a rondelle of dice or something like that. It reminds me of, not surprisingly, of the Black Angel game that we played together. Yep, yep. It's by the same yeah, people, right? It's, it, I don't know. It just, yeah. And it's from, yeah, Pearl Games, uh, from Sebastian Duhardin, Xavier Georges, and Elaine Orban were the designers. So, yeah, it seems, it. 
I don't know. It just, it worked for me. It really did. I mean, it also helped that I won. So, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it was like, and then the combat that you had to do with the fighting off the, the different things that the events that were coming up and I don't know. It just, it was a lot of fun. It seems like there's going to be a lot of replayability. So I just thought that it, it really worked for me. It really, it really clicked. I really liked it. And how do you feel about playing online in general? I really like like the tactile version, especially like in a game like this where you get to like chuck dice and roll all the dice. Like I really wanted that like tactile, like rolling the dice myself. Board Game Arena seemed really good as far as... So I've played on a multiple of different websites um tabletop simulator is probably my least favorite because it doesn't really have any rules or anything set into the the like coding or whatever it's just a table basically yeah it's just a table and it has the components and you can move stuff around but you have to know the game you have to know 100 percent like what you're doing where what moves are allowed what things you can do so that was that one is probably like my least favorite because you can like just do something on there that's not allowed in the game. <laughs> like, oh, I look at this secret card. Oh, I wasn't supposed to look at this card. Like, so that not, you know, that I've ever didn't done that, but like that seems like something that you could do with that. So um that would probably be my least favorite. Uh and then Board Game Arena was really good. It really like it even though, you know, you couldn't go back and undo stuff, you still could very clearly like see okay if i use this and this that's going to cost this amount of money if i do this 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 then you know i have this option so it was very helpful especially for my first game of this to have that kind of reinforcement of the rules yeah for me uh, i think as you were saying board game arena is my favorite um but it also explains why I don't play board games online because playing a, a game on board game arena which is the most efficient I think it's very clear it's user friendly etc doesn't feel like a board game at all yeah it's basically a very simple interface and and it doesn't do it for me I'm not much into video games but if I have to play something online I'd rather play a video game at that point so for me, 2020 has, has been very difficult in terms of trying new things. Also because I generally try to at least try games before getting them at conventions, with friends, uh, with mm-hmm. you, um, at weekly meetings and things like that. And so this year has been... We, we have played a decent amount because being forced inside, we, we played mostly. Um to the point that this year we're trying to play all of our games at least once. Oh, God. Well, it's easier than one a day, right? We are under 365 and we can do it when we want rather than having to do it once per day. We, we might, true. Yeah, we might play, I don't know, five days in a row at the fields and then in a weekend try five different games and we're fine. Yeah. Um, but I haven't played online. I tried once. Uh, we tried to play. Well, we played poker, which is was easy enough. But it was such a 
a chore because we did it with uh, Tabletopia because the goal was to to learn that, not playing poker by itself, right? It was just to choose a, a simple game. And um, no, it doesn't do it for me, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I say, because yesterday another friend was asking, oh, are you doing um, Total Com Virtual and things like that? And uh, I cannot. And that's that's kind of bad, but it stresses me out. I'm in front of a computer for work and it's it's fine. Me too. I think that's also probably why I don't really enjoy it as much as I could. Um, because yeah, staring at a screen, it, it, it doesn't feel like work, but it doesn't feel like, I, I really like the social aspect of gaming where you're sitting across the table and you can, you know, easily like poke fun at somebody and be like, Oh, you made that move or, Oh, you, you know, Oh, I'm going to do this. Like, and try and like psych people out. But like online, it feels like, I don't know. Yeah. It's not the same. Think of underground, uh, underwater cities when someone p- puts their the submarine, which is, first of all you have such fancy components. So, but <laughs> your, your, your summary on the exact spot that you want, and the rage is more understandable where you are seeing someone doing <laughs> that. Then oh, they click something. How can I be enraged at them? And yeah. but the rage is important. Yeah. Um, and also, um, yeah. But and also, you. I think you you have access to Mario Kart. So if you have to play something on a screen, play Mario Kart. You know what I actually purchased. Speaking of playing things on, like, a gaming system, Wingspan. Digital. Yeah. What what what, what platform is it on? I got it on uh, my Switch. Oh, well those are those are better the ones that are native to to systems are are better uh, i play star realms online and twilight struggle and mm. those to me are a little different um i still choose well twilight struggle is not a simple game i like asynchronous though for those where i can take a turn and then i have like a day to to take the next one <laughs> playing playing twilight struggle over like two years <laughs> No, it's usually f- the timer is usually forty eight days, but it takes yikes three weeks for a game. But I'm playing like six or seven or nine uh, together, so it's it's fine. You're playing nine games at the same time. Yes, but how do you keep uh, them all? That's what Anna always say. Well, again, the interface is excellent, so you can go through okay. the discard pile. You can go through the cards that have been eliminated. Um, and since the the you have, you take time to to evaluate the board, um, but I I really, really like it, and that I play uh, regularly because again I don't have to okay now I am playing and instead of being playing with someone I sit in front of the computer for two hours is I do ten minutes of that in the morning I take one action basically on all of my boards um, and then. And then I do it again, either that night or the next day, etc. Those I really like, and I know they exist also on um, board game arena and things like that. But on that, I'm lazy. The fact that these two games, Twilight Struggle and Star Realms, have apps that just I click on the app and they have all of the notifications for the new games, and I know, okay, now I'm focusing just on that, makes it easier than logging into the 
the website, although I do realize that it's just a, a difference of easy easy entry, but that, that matters too. Yeah. So I think without further ado, we should get into our top 10 of yes. 2020. Yeah, we, we got a little carried away. Before we do that, though, um, in terms of what games we have played and what we have done, is there any game that you are looking forward to to playing or trying or getting or backing or anything like that? I mean, you wouldn't want to look at my Kickstarter right now. Oh, do, I, I, I will do it right now. <laughs> it's just, it, it, it's a lot. Um, one that I'm really excited for coming, I guess, is Veiled Fate. What is I it? Know, I, I don't know. know if you saw it. Uh, Veiled Fate. I don't know it. So they call it a new, that it's in its new category of, it's called strategic deduction. So they're trying to make it like a hybrid of like a strategy game with um, social deduction in it. So it says that it plays down to two even because you have all these different um, gods or demigods. I don't remember if they're gods or demigods. but Dem- Demigods, it says. Demigods. I'm page yeah. right now. So they're demigods that you're you're playing and they're all on the board and you're moving them around and you're trying to get benefits for some and and... And, but you're not trying to be too obvious as to who is the one that you actually are. Um, But you're also trying to get like, it just seems so cool. (laughs) It looks cool. I I will be glad to play it when you get it. When is it supposed to get in here? Uh, Oh, I see. Summer, this summer. Yeah. Which hopefully things will be. On the road to recovery by then, you know? I am optimist. I must say I am optimist. Uh, meaning I, I know it's things don't don't change and get back to normal in, in like a month. Um, but at the same time, I have still a friend say, oh, I, I wonder if we will ever be able to. I I feel like we are, we are on the road to recovery on so many ways. And so... Um, that that that's a positive and it's uh i got the the metal version so ooh so the minis are metal yeah that's nice that's different um the one that i'm excited about is uh is actually sitting with you right now uh, is uh <laughs> sorry about that no, it's it's the pandemic um it's the count of the west kingdoms mm-hmm. um which uh, again, I cannot speak to to the gameplay. You you might, and I have a suspicion that we will. Um, but um, but it's the new game by Shem Phillips. Well, the last game by Shem Phillips uh, so far, the latest game by Shem Phillips, um, mm-hmm. which is obviously, as the title says, the, in the series of Raiders of the North Sea and all of that. And since I have been re well of the West Kingdom, but is the same concept of these setting games and since i have been playing architects and raiders recently i really really look forward to that but um without further ado let's get to our as you were saying uh before our top uh, of 2020 
Well, first of all, when you suggested uh, the best game that we played in 2020, I made the list, and then this morning you went, oh, by the way, I meant games that were published in 2020. <laughs> Which is great. It probably makes more sense because some of the things that I played were, were just new to me. Um, so I went and checked my list, and actually all of them but the top uh, came out in 2020. I decided to keep the top one, though, because it came out in late 2019 and because I think it's great. Um, but that's that's my, my defense. Um, so I, I have one that would have made my list if I would have played it sooner because I really, really like it. It's probably up there in my top games of all time, and that's Underwater Cities, which you've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but that came out in 2018. But my first play plays of it were last year. Um, but yeah, I've spoken on Underwater Cities and how amazing it is. And um, I hope for everyone that they give you a little bit more upgraded pieces, components, and re resend it out. But it's it's a stunning game in and of its own right. It had made my list. Um, it was actually, I think, number five or something like that on my list. And then I took it out because it wasn't 2020 and it wasn't yeah. close to 2020, right? It's not something that got shipped on December 19 or anything like that. Um, right. I saw you actually um, showed it to me that it was on sale uh, a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I I can't. I decided I have to to wait for for better edition or i play it um with you yeah okay number 10 well i i also want a, an honorable mention and uh. my honorable mention is is uh, not because it's not 2020 it actually is but it's because it's an expansion and this gugong panjun okay or whatever it's pronounced mm-hmm. which is um i think perfect it's a perfect expansion it's modular so even for people who disagree, you can take the parts that um, you don't like. The modules make sense. They each change the game in a very significant way, but without changing its nature, which I know it's a little weird, but um, I have tried three of the four modules. I haven't tried the Rebellion. So one is new cards that work a little different, which you just put into the game. One is the, in the game you are trying to move up on a track that in the base game is just move up on this track. Now there are some condition to move up. You can choose a faster track, but that is a little more difficult on an easier track that is a little longer. And uh, you also get a new additional board, but it is just one more action of the ones that you can do in the game. And it really, really worked for me. So that's my number 11, I guess. But it's not in terms of being inferior to the others. It's just that it is an expansion and not a game. Nice. Yeah, I it's sitting on my shelf. Scott, Scott doesn't really care for Gugong, so... We will play it together. <laughs> Okay, what's your number 10? So my number 10 is Rococo Deluxe Edition, which is, again, kind of kind of a cheat because it is it was originally published at a different time, but this is the Deluxe Edition, which was uh, published the, and in 2020. It is from uh, Eagle Griffin Games from 
uh, Matthias Kramer, Stefan Maltz, and Louis Maltz. And it was redone with art by Ian O'Toole, which I love Ian O'Toole's work for a lot of different reasons, but it's just, it's very, very gorgeous. And it just has so much table presence when, when you're playing games that he has uh, made a mark on. So Rococo is about owning a tailoring business and uh, making dresses and collecting uh, different cloths and things like that to make elegant dresses that you can uh, get some of the people to wear during uh, this grand ball and you can hire musicians and you can do there's so many different things that you can do in this game but like you have so limited actions which that is like one of my favorite aspects of a game where you have so many things to do but you have very limited actions you have so many different options to accumulate points and um, it does have a little bit of hand management because you're trying to get better people into your deck while also sending people away to thin it out so it just has a lot of really cool really interesting mechanisms in it Um, have you ever played this before i played it Again, uh, 2014. Um, curiously enough, uh, the same the same year as uh, Trois. And why I like it more than Trois, I still wasn't enamored with it. Um, it was already a beautiful game. Did you did you get the 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 fancy version or did you oh, just yeah. try it? Oh, of course, I, of course no, did. I know you didn't track down the old one that that's what the ones that that's, my question was did you own the new one or not not whether you had played the ugly one oh okay uh, but but um as anna is signaling that that should go without saying i really like the some parts of it the actually one of the the characteristics of it the deck building part i didn't like in this one um but i would not mind trying it again so we'll see have you seen have you seen the new art on it? I have seen it not in person. It looks amazing. It's so pretty. And then the the fancy bits are so nice. I must say when I was looking at games that came out in 2020, there were a few that I considered uh mentioning, but I haven't tried the new version, so it wouldn't make sense to put it in my list of 2020, but there are a few that are very nice. Um, and I like Kramer, um, Matthias Kramer, not Kramer of Kiesling and Kramer fame. Um, his games, usually I like them. Um, I really like Rafagen. I like Watergate. And then there are a few that are, okay, I, I'll play them. I won't look for them, like Glenmore or Lancaster or this one. Um, so, But it never makes for a bad game. I mean... I don't have a bad memory of hating playing Rococo or anything like that. So, um, good, good pick, I guess. Um, my ten is a game that I think you would like to, um, despite being a cooperative, because oh, it's, no. <laughs> I might be wrong. Uh, it's the crew. Have you played it? Yes, I have. And how was the experience? The experience. I really like it. See? See, I didn't lie. So for those of you who haven't heard of it, uh, The Crew is a trick-taking cooperative game 
which uh, Anna really liked. I, I was skeptical. We decided to get it. And I might say it's better than I expected. I I am not a big fan of trick-taking games. I, mm-hmm. I know that you like them more than I do. Um, but the the fact that it's cooperative make, shifts the focus, right? Because winning a hand is not that hard because when people want you to win a hand is when you win it, what cards are in there that becomes important. Um, it's in the, I feel it's in the vein of the Grizzled and the Hanabi and all of that where what you're doing is relatively simple, but doing it together and not messing it up is what what is tricky. For me, um, it wasn't a revelation like Hanabi, possibly because you have some limitation on communication, which is something that I like a lot. But in Anabi, that's the game, right? In Anabi, you are trying to put games on the ta- cards on the table that would be extremely easily easy if you could just tell people, do this and that. And so all of the game becomes about communication. This has some deduction that you need to do and the communication, you have just one, one clue. I liked it. We played already, I think, 15 missions or so. It gets a little repetitive after a little while because there are certain... So each mission, each level of the game, you have different conditions. And some of them are meaningful. Like the first time they tell you, well, this person needs to win uh, this trick first, and then this person, and they tell you what cards should be in those tricks. But after a while, the difference between, oh, you have three missions, in a, three tasks in a row rather than four is not as exciting. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what what other tricks they throw into the into the pot, so to speak. Yeah, I really like it, and it may make its appearance later on in my list. And it's by Thomas Singh and uh, for Cosmos. Yes. So that was the crew, the quest for Planet Nine. Okay. All right. You're number nine. Number nine. Very, very appropriate. The quest for your number nine. My number nine is Lost Ruins of Arnak from Czech Games Edition by uh, designers Min and Elwin. This game is. A combination of deck building and worker placement, and you are exploring an island where you are trying to find different artifacts or explore different areas and face creatures that are are guarding certain things. The thing that I like about this a lot is the, the deck building portion of it. I feel like it's very interesting the way that that you use the different things cuz there's the items and then there's the artifacts which um some of them you use immediately and others you put into your deck. It's very tight like what needs to be done in this game. Yeah, and I'm glad you liked it because it this was a game that was at high risk, I think, because it it got a barrage of covering. It was everywhere, a, a million um, video reviews, and it was very well marketed by um, by the publisher. 
um, to the point that it risks being just an empty an empty campaign, right? And then maybe a very simple game. Um, but it's I, I'm glad that that you liked it. Um, I think that it works a little different than others, so it's 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 good. Um, it was one of the two deck building and worker placement combinations that came out, um, and uh, the other being Dune Imperium. Although the the one that I'm also very excited about in that genre is uh, the one that we both backed on Kickstarter, uh, Endless Winter, mm-hmm. which is another one in that in that regard. Um, my number nine is. Oh uh, wait, do I have a number nine? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Tawantin Suyu. <laughs> okay, uh, which is difficult for me to pronounce, and it was complicated to learn. Um, which I probably it is what detracts uh, from it being higher. I really like the feeling of the game, uh, but when I think of getting back to it and looking into the rules again and possibly teaching to someone else, it is a little bit much. Um, although yep. the, the playing itself is not that complicated. Have you seen this? Yeah, I've played it. I own it. I I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, it has a lot of interesting things. Uh, it has basically you play on a on a terrace pyramid, and you have top action that are basically moving your your priest and activating a bunch of little things, and then you have a worker placement kind of thing where you play little meeples, and they are not in your color, so you but they are in different colors and they do slightly different things. And the board is populated with micro actions. And so you're trying to do two, three micro actions, depending on what, on what worker you place and you alternate between the two, the two things. Um, I felt it was a little short, not in terms of playtime, but in terms of turns. I only played it two players, but I liked it. I liked it. It's from a designer that I know you like a lot. Uh, with the, the person behind uh, Anachrony, um, David Tuixi. Yep. Tuixi. Um, and he did it as a point, which it, it was risky this year. There were some um, euros that I really liked, others that failed for me. We, we mentioned Trismegistus and uh, Alma Mater, which I was very excited for, and they both fell very flat for me. So this was not a given, right? It wasn't a... Um, a sure shot, but I, I liked it. I appreciated it. And it's it's colorful. Again, a little bit too much, but it has very good player aid. So um, um, my number nine. Yeah, I really like this game. I do think that the barrier to entry is very, very high, um, which is a little odd to me because, the like you said, the turns themselves aren't, don't take very long and they're not very complicated. It just seems like there's a, quite a bit of math involved with certain actions that you're taking. Yeah. And that that puts it as my least favorite tea game. For those of you who don't know what the tea games are, they're all the games that start with tea put out by the different um, different designers like uh, Tertsi and Tashini and hmm. um, things like that. But so we, we include... Everything like Twilight Struggle? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so basically games that start with T. Now, I know that this feels like one of those, but this is technically just him, right? There is no Tashini or Luciani involved, which is, uh, I think, Tashini is the one who drives the, the, the idea of these T games um, because he did uh, Tzolkin and Trismegistus and all of that and Teotihuacan. Um, so it's not a T game? I don't know. I, I know the feeling. I, I ordered um, I ordered this uh, together. It was waiting for more of those. Uh, but I feel like it, it shouldn't be, right? It, it's a euro that starts with a T, but that's true as well. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was. Maybe it's not. It's not even in that in that group of uh, which we keep mentioning of those friendly people i mean he's from a different country is i know he work with tashini on on Takenu, but um well doesn't really matter right it's it's a good game and um, that's yes. it what is your number 8 number 8 is monumental yep I expected that to be there. <laughs> so that is from Fun Forge by Matthew Dunstan. I only played this game twice, and it really had a very strong, lasting feeling. When I thought of the games that I've played in 2020, the games that came out in 2020, this I knew had to be on there. Um, it is just so interesting the way that you make a grid of of um nine cards in a three by three grid and you're using them to gather resources and um just do so many different things it's it's about um creating this sort of civilization and fighting and and territory building and um, managing your army and doing all this stuff and it's so good it's so good i don't know what else to say about it because i haven't haven't played it in a very long time um but i'm very excited i did back its second printing it's not available without yeah it's a kickstarter only kickstarter only game um but it it just is so cool when you look at it on the board or on the table rather and it's a lot of fun it it did things that I didn't know. Um, it it refreshed the deck building for me. Mm-hmm. And I must say, um, it's a game that I I really long to play. Um, when it came out on Kickstarter the first time, I saw it. I I decided not to to do it. I had a lot of other stuff. Then when I it was delivering, I think I sent you a message saying this this is a game that you you will probably like. And then when you when you tried it, you went, Oh, I tried a game called Monumental and I liked it. And I was like, Yeah, I told you. Um but and then based only on your recommendation, because I haven't yet managed to play it, I even consider him backing it when you did. Uh, but it's it's an expensive game and it was hard to do sight unseen. Also with the fact that this Kickstarter only means that if I wanted to do it, I would have done what you have done and gotten all of the expansions. And that was a little steep for a game that I hadn't even seen in person. Um, yeah. Much less played. Was, 
that is one of the the negatives of this game is that I get that it's a Kickstarter exclusive and that they're you know it's it's very high quality things like very high quality oh, wow. components. It's just you are paying for that high quality component. Like it is not a thing that, like you said, like it's it's very very expensive. And you have to do it, do it all at once, right? You cannot get it and then get another expansion and get another expansion. As you could, for example, with Anachrony, you could get Anachrony and then buy the miniatures and then buy right. the expansion, etc. Uh, to stay in other very expensive, very well-produced games. This is, oh, this is the thing. And if you want these other tribes, these other civilizations, you have to get them right now or right away and since it includes fantastic components and miniature and chunky tiles and all of that those things add up yeah and it does come as like a a token edition which has no miniatures oh it does you do you think it does but i mean i don't think it does i mean not not for me (laughs) i don't know it's it's so cool looking when it's all, all out there on the table. So that was from Fun Forge, Matthew Dunstan, Monumental. My number eight is the last entry, well, the last available one, the latest available one in the Tiny Epic uh, series, Tiny Epic Dinosaurs. Okay. I played it only once, uh, but I really liked it. It's a worker placement that is fast, is relatively simple. It has charming little uh, dinosaur meeples. It feels like a little uh, Jurassic Park thing. And I think it sits at the exact uh, lightness of what I want when I'm playing that kind of game. I never played Dinogenix or um, Dinosaur Island, although I looked into them and decided not to, to get into them. Uh, this seems what I need. There are dinosaurs, they do little things. I can draft them, and they it works as kind of a worker placement, very easy. Uh, plays in 45 minutes to an hour, and I really like my, my copy and my thing. I don't like all of the tiny epics. Uh, I got some, got rid of some. Uh, so for me, it wasn't a... a sure thing right it wasn't a, oh i like all of those um mm-hmm. but i'm i'm happy i didn't again i like dinosaurs but there are games with dinosaurs that don't that don't you and me um it's still probably not my favorite game with dinosaurs that remains um dinos the draftosaurus yes but um but i like it i, I like this um so that's it Tiny yeah that looks like a fun game i would definitely play that um, I guess that was from Scott Alms. Oh, yes. I guess he's all of them. Yeah, Gameling Games is basically... Tiny Epic, Scott Alms, and Gameling Games are synonymous. They, I think <laughs> they only published... Until recently, they only published the Tiny Epic. Then they went into the giant uh, Heroes of uh, Lander and Sea. Um, mm-hmm. And all of the games are by him, and they are all published by Gameling Games. So they are Nice. Okay, yeah. My number seven uh, will have a deja vu moment with the crew. Woohoo! So you already talked about it. I really, we've only played it a handful of times, but I 
really like trick-taking games, so that's probably why it makes its way a little higher on mine, on my list. And um, the cooperative aspect of it makes it uh, easier to get to the table for me. Uh, So because of my playing partner. (laughs) Yep. Who? who, uh, How does it work with you? Um, I actually haven't played it with two. I only played it okay. with three, but that was back when we were still in a better area of the pandemic. Um, yeah, because I think it doesn't even play with two, right? I don't. I don't think it allows for three play for two players. It says two, but the okay, it says two to five, but I don't think it actually plays two. Yeah, on the box it says three. On BGG it says two. That's weird. Yeah. Maybe it's like a variant or something. I guess so. Um, But yeah, I really thought that this game was fun. It was different. It it is it's it's just a fun, quick game. And then we found ourselves going, okay, well, one more mission, one more mission, one more mission. And then we kept going and, you know, then we were like six games in and we were like, okay, okay, we're done. I I think my my right number is four, um, four four games uh, in a row. Um, mm-hmm. It's enough that it doesn't feel like okay. I just t- touched the game and then did nothing. But it's not as much as it becomes too too repetitive. Uh, and I figured that it was for both when we failed and when we succeeded. So I I like that. It comes to about 40 minutes, no, probably less, probably 25 minutes um, for four games. And that's the, the the ideal session for me. So my question for you, though, is the crew or the grizzled? Oh, for me, it's not even close, the grizzled. Um, but I really, really, really like the grizzled. Um, the crew is more accessible. Um but the but the grizzle, for example, is not as complicated that I couldn't have my mom play. My mom really, really liked it, and she doesn't like very complex games. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I find I was surprised, but one of the players we were playing with got really frustrated with the grizzle. Oh, sorry, with uh, with the crew. I was like, uh, the grizzled was it me? <laughs> no, Rachel, who plays the Grizzle, plays a lot of very complex games. She found the crew frustrating because there is this pressure of playing the right card at the right time. And if you play the wrong one, you can mess up someone's plan, but you don't even know it. Um, yep. And so, but I, I liked it. It's just that the Grizzle is for that sphere of short cooperative game that is relatively simple on rules is among my top so it, it's a hard competition for me all right and again that was the crew um so my number seven oh the crew you you wanted to to mention um i guess it's by oh yeah we said thomas singh and cosmos we said it before mm-hmm. so my number seven is margraves of valyria which uh, I don't want to lie. One of the reasons we got it was because the illustration is by the Miko, Mihayo Dimiteski, who is the guy who does all of the uh, graphical uh, games, um, West Kingdom and North Sea and all of that. 
Um, and it's in the series of Valyria, which is this series of games that is only about theme, though. They don't carry on mechanics from one to the other. Um, I didn't like other Valyria games. I didn't try the one right before this that is supposed to be the best of the rest. But this really worked for me. It's uh, by Isaias Vallejo, uh, published by Daily Magic Games. And it's... Um, it's kind of a large uh, rondelle mixed with uh, deck building. You have these cards that you play and they give you a few actions and these actions are often moving your knights. And with your knights, you go to different places and where you go, you activate the location where you go. So you have this, you are moving your knight around this quasi-circular board, but you can go back and forth. So you are moving the knight to get actions and you're playing the cards to get actions and you can build castles, you can kill monsters. It's very mechanical, like the killing the monsters is using a certain amount of resources to kill them. Uh, you are not fighting other players. But I do I do like the game, and I do like the scoring. Basically, everything you do, building castles, collecting cards, is at the end multiplied by a value that you have on a track, and you can move up on this track. And um, it's... Uh, lighter than it sounds when you look at it. Uh, it has a few little things that you can do, like collect certain tiles. There is a lot of activating these tiles in different ways. And it's a game where at the end you take out your trackpad to to score, which is always something that makes me smile. Uh, and it has nice meeples, nice art. I liked it. So I have not played it, but I purchased it. And I purchased it solely on... The fact that you guys purchased it. <laughs> I don't know if to say you're welcome or sorry. <laughs> um, no, I just haven't played it yet. It looks it looks good. It When I first looked at it, it looked a little overwhelming. Um, so that's why it hasn't gotten to the table. And here I have to do a lot of the the like front-end learning of things to teach to Scott. So that's why... I have not yet undertaken this. Oh, I see. So you're basically blaming me because I cannot teach it to you because of the pandemic. Okay, thank I mean, you. I'm glad that you understood what I was trying to say without saying it, but... <laughs> no, it, it's actually... It was easier than I thought to, to teach um, because contrary to the one thing CU, which is more complicated, but not by that much. This is very... Each action can be explained on its own. Um, while to one thing through you, you're constantly going back and forth and saying, okay, wait, to do this, you need to, to have done this other thing, but to have yeah. done this other thing. And so this instead is, is straightforward, although it has a lot of little sub-things because there are the cards and there are the little knights and there are the monsters and there are the fortress and there are the money and the way the resources work is a little peculiar and then you have a boat. Um, <laughs> but, but I liked it. Yeah, well, I look forward to playing it. And that was my number seven. Number six is... Viscounts of the West Kingdom. And that is from Shem Phillips, who collaborated with S.J. McDonald. And it's from Garfield Games. So this is a really good game. Um, I feel like it may be my favorite 
of the the West Kingdom series. Although um Raiders. Well, that's not the West Kingdom series. Oh, I thought that was the old though. So how does it compare to Raiders for you? To Raiders, I mean I really like Raiders. It yeah. it it it's different. Like it just gives you this completely different feel. And it's interesting because you can tell that they're made by the same designer, but they're it's also its own entity. Like it doesn't feel like just a re-implement of the same thing. So um in Viscounts you are traveling around um a circular board and you are getting cards and managing a deck by um buying cards which is hiring workers and um you also have variable player powers when you start the game um the setup is always unique and different as far as um what starts with you and there's so many different options you're you're building buildings you are um like scribing different manuscripts you are putting people into um into like the the castle which is the one of the weirdest mechanisms to me but um i do enjoy it i always go for that so i don't know if if that is the best strategy but i that's what i typically go for so it's it's a lot of fun it's i feel like it's one of the more complex of his games um it really requires some like you really need to understand the the mechanisms in order to like really enjoy the game like the first game i was like eh, this is okay but the second time when everything sort of clicked and I didn't have to reference the rule book every, you know, couple turns, it it really provides a smooth gameplay that I think um, had a lot of very smart things in it, such as the tableau that you're building. And then um, certain things happen when they f- they fall off your board and certain things happen when you immediately play them. Other times you get benefits as long as they're on your board and then there are options sometimes to reorganize your board and then there's sort of this like racing mechanism where where the end of the game isn't set on um a set amount of turns it's instead um driven by either these deeds or these debts which are present in a few of his other games where um the deeds are positive and the debts are negative and but the funny thing is that you once one pile runs out, so if you run out of debts, then the deeds are scored. Whereas if you run out of deeds, then the debts are scored. So you cannot simply go all in on something because if you cause those to finish, the other one score. Right. Okay, so I have a question. Compared to the other by them, um, well, architects, but particularly paladins. I, I guess this is more complex than architects because architects is not that complex. How does it compare to paladins? Do you feel this is more accessible or even more clunky? Um, I think once you get it, 
I feel like it's about the same. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of little things that you have to keep in mind. Um, and I feel like it has more player interaction than Paladins, though. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that was a positive for me, but um, a negative for Scott, who doesn't really like mean player interaction. I can see that. Uh, the one, I, again, I haven't played it. I'm very excited to do so. The one that mechanism that jumps out to me that I really want to try more even than the, the castle in the middle is the way the cards work. The fact that you have these workers that slide off. Um, mm-hmm. That is something that I'm really curious about. It, it resonates to me with me in theory, at least. Well, we'll see if it does in person. Yeah. Yeah, so that was Viscounts of the West Kingdom. My six, actually, I lied. This also apparently came out uh, in uh, 2019, but it was very late. Uh, I'm seeing that almost reviews are from December. Um, Inuit, the Snowfolk. Um, it was a fresh, uh, a breath of fresh air for me. It's a card game. Um Plays from two to four. I've only played it with two, and I'm not sure I need to play it with more necessarily because it has a nice back and forth. And I fear that with more players, it would feel a little bit more random. Although I see on BGG, it's suggested as being best at three, although no one wants to play it at four. So at least I'm partially vindicated. Is by Alexei Konov, Alexei Palsev, Anatoly Shilarov, and the Granik, um, and it's beautifully illustrated by an artist that I didn't know, uh, Polina Walk, and it's by what uh, is has been the hottest of designers recently for me, uh, Boards and Dice, um, which I think we will talk about uh, again uh, very soon. Um, <laughs> but Inuit is, uh, it's a, at the same time, simple and very different game. Every turn, you flip some cards from a deck. Normally it's one, but you have powers that can flip more. And then you basically gain some of them. And when you gain them, you can gain them for for points. You can gain them to allow you to gain different things. You are building your tribe, but also you are hunting and you are collecting um, rituals and things like that. But basically you can get people that allow you to score a little bit of points but make you more powerful or you can go for the points. And you are constantly balancing the two and there is an interesting thing of, okay, if I leave this out for for the, my opponent and they manage to flip more of these, they can score a lot. So do I want to build my thing? Do I want to go for my points? Or do I want to stop the opponent to, from running away with their points? And... Um, I've played it two times, so uh, I, I ne- definitely need to explore it more, but I really liked it. It's beautiful. Like, the art is gorgeous. Uh, it, I really, really like the art. Yeah, I don't know anything about it other than it looks awesome. But... And I, yeah, and it reminded me um, of how how fresh a card game can be without needing to be a collectible card game and things like that. Something that another game that was more 
strongly in 2019, but would have made my list if we were talking my games of 2020, was Res Arcana, which is kind of a combo game. And this is not as combo-y, but uh, it's very refreshing. It's easy to teach, easy to play. Uh, it's not only beautiful, but also very relaxing, right? There are some games that are beautiful, but imposing this is uh, in these muted tones of white to evoke snow. I, I really liked it. Yeah. So that was Inuit. Um, it says that it, one of the mechanisms is take that. Do you feel like it's a lot of take that? Because so that first, would be the one thing that I would that would t- like detract me from looking into it further. First of all, it's a module um, that we haven't played with, and from what I've read, is not particularly evil. Um, but also, it's not a module. I don't know, like in Towers of Tiefenthal, where you feel like, okay, I will slowly add all of the modules. There are these two modules that are basically variants. They are mutually exclusive. I haven't tried either of them. One is Big Hunt and the other one is basically War. I think the the War one, you want to be with more players, not just two. Um, Mm. And it still doesn't, it's not like I can destroy your tableau or anything like that. It gives you a few negative points and things like that. But there is no need to in, to include it. I felt I, I, you know that I like I like mean games from time to time. Um, I actually like them quite often, but I didn't feel the lack of that playing the the basic game. So I don't think that's gonna be a problem at all. Okay, that so was my number six. Yeah, your number six. So, number five is the search for Planet X. And that is from Renegades Game Studios, um, from Matthew O'Malley and Ben Rossett, um, art by James Messino and Michael Pedro. So, this is a straight-up deduction game. It is solely, like... You're using an app, and it's basically like you're solving logic puzzles. And one of my fondest memories growing up was going with my mother to the drugstore and buying a a like one of the like monthly things of just logic puzzles and doing them and figuring them out. And that was like my nerdiness <laughs> at its peak when I was little. But so basically, in this game, you're using an app and you're you're figuring out this logic puzzle. So certain things can be next to certain things. Um, certain things must be within a certain amount of, of like um, quadrants from the other things. It has a lot of um, like the app is essential. You have to have the app um, and the, the app is very smart and I really like how the app is used. It doesn't feel, sometimes I feel like when you're using an app, it can take you out of the game a little bit, but I feel like this um, doesn't really do that because you're using it um, quite a bit, but it, it still feels like you're discovering things. I don't know. Yeah, um, and this is by Renegade Game Studios, um, yep. Matthew O'Malley and Ben Rossett, and we talked about it extensively in episode 20 uh, of what is now season one, I guess. Um, so 
check it out. We 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 got into some details about that and about young Nathan uh, reading logic puzzles. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I have a little bit of history there. I haven't tried it yet. Um, but... Do you like like logic games like that? Um, in theory, yes. I don't know if I want to make a board game out of it. Well, sure. we'll see. My number five um, came out this year. It was a Kickstarter from last year. We talked about it uh, before. And it is um, Red Outpost. It's a game that I got basically almost as a joke um, because I wanted to to see this game that is supposed about um, old-time communists on a... Um, on a on a red planet, basically on a faraway planet, um, but it works. It works very well for me. It's a different take on worker placement. You send your workers to places, but they are not your workers. So there is a pool of workers that are already on the board, and they move around, and that that worked for me. Um, I played it three times. Um, I want to play it more. Um, it's among the games that have been. Um, victimized by IKEA, we haven't gotten the, the the shelves that we need. They're out of stock. The big uh, the big Kallax, yes. um, and we we are waiting for them. And so uh, this is one of the games that is piled somewhere in that room. And so it doesn't make it to the um, to 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 the to the forefront, basically. Uh, but but I like it. I like it quite a bit. I'm sure we talked about it, but I cannot find which episode it was in. Um, so um, go go look for it, I guess. <laughs> um, let's see if I can find it, but I, I don't seem to be able to find it. It's, it's very nice. Um, it is by... Uh, let me see. It is by... Raman Hiryok and is published in the US by um, Imperial Publishing. I liked it. I played it with you. I know. I don't know how I feel about it. I would need to play it again. I would happily play it again. Um, but it did feel a little. Like, I feel, at one point, I feel like I made a mistake, like, leaving something for someone, and it, like, it upset both of you. Because <laughs> I played it with you and Anna, and you both were like, why would you do that? I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> so, it it felt, like, a little too mechanical for me. Yep. Like, it needed that. to be, like... You needed to like be very efficient and very like you had to think about not only about what you were doing, but what you were leaving people and then thinking about what your next turn would be if it even got to you. So like it it was weird, but I would play it again. And that's another thing that I like that makes it radically different at two and three. Um, but in a good way, like I like the different experience, right? Uh, the, the having different options. Okay, that was my number five. Number four is Whistle Mountain. Oh, I didn't expect that. 
there were others that I was sure would, would come up and I, I hadn't expected that. Tell me more about it. So Whistle Mountain is from Bezier Games, from Scott Caputo and Luke Laurie. And it has so many things that I like. It has variable um, variable powers, which you are building onto um, your structure for yourself. It also has different machines that that you are running to try and get a bunch of resources. It has so many interesting things that I just really, really like it. The water level rises and it can knock um, your workers off of the structure that you're building and they fall into like this like whirlpool that you have to get them out of. Otherwise, they're negative points at the end. Um, and the like the water level rises as you're building this up and you have to it has a non um non-set ending also which um is when all of the workers are cleared out um i think there's another uh option for end but i can't recall it right now but um yeah you're just building a lot of things you you have these really cool um, like airships that can dock on onto this structure that you're building. It was just a lot of fun. It felt very like whimsical. It and you could tell that it wasn't taking itself too seriously, which I really appreciated. And it just felt very fresh to me. It looks like a great game, a very well-built game that I will never, ever play uh, because it has polyominoes that drive me insane. <laughs> um, and But it looks it looks nice. It has a lot of things that I think I would like, but I feel no, no allure, no interest, you know, because of that. And, I mean, that's just my thing, right? It doesn't speak badly or of the game. Yeah. Um, it would make no sense for me to try a game and then having to go, oh, it's good. I hated it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. When I look at the MVP scoring without things are played, no, that's that's not for me. But but I'm glad you liked it. I I didn't know it was it was on your. I mean, I didn't know it was on your list like the others, but I didn't expect it to be. I had seen it come out. I had seen. I didn't know it was among your your choices. Um. My number four is a a game that I suspect will show up on your list, although it's it's a bold bet because you only have three left. Right. Um, but it's a game that probably in a vacuum would be close to the top, if not of the top of the games that I've played. And I will get to what it is in a moment. But uh, it's not as unique as the ones that are above it um, because it, gives me the same very good feelings that other games uh, give me. Um, it is by Tashini and Turzi, um, and it is... You know what the, it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Kenu Obelisk of the Sun. It's yep. an incredibly solid Euro. We actually played it again uh, three days ago, um, or, or a week ago, something like that. Um, I have only played it with two and three. I really like that two. I really liked it at three. Um, it's a tense, action-limited, um, 
thematically fine, I think. People always say that these games, the theme could be whatever. I think it works. Uh, sure, it's a Euro, so uh, I'm not going for a story, but it, it, it comes together well. Um, I feel there are a little bit of mechanicism. Sometimes you do things just because you have to do it, because you have to get the resources to do something. But when you can make things click, um, and it's it's really great. Again, it gives me the good feelings that other Euros give me. So it's at the same time a game that I'm really happy to have and I'm really happy to play anytime someone wants to play it. But that if it disappeared, that same feeling I could get from other games. But I really, really like it. I think it's up there with Solkin for my favorite of Tashini. Uh, and it's it's a great game. Uh, it has an incredible amount of variability um, from the end goals to the thing, but uh, I, I think we will talk about it more. And it is, again, Tashini and Turchi, the publisher, Board and, Board and Dice, and uh, I think very competent, if not particularly uh, memorable art is by Fajetanowski, Duglaium, Gelter, and Zavada. I like that I walk into these pronunciations willingly. Um, <laughs> I see the names and I go like, I could just mention that there are a lot of artists and instead I, I go. And <laughs> Have you ever made the the one mechanism work, the little like um, the the pillars yes yes anna actually got a lot of points from pillars last time um the one thing that i have still a hard time not at making it work i do it and i use it is the population and happiness that you have to do it because you need to get happiness higher to uh to get the the ending points and scores etc yeah but the fact that you need to move population to then move happiness because otherwise you bump into it. And that the way to move happiness is, with the exception of the specific statue, uh, basically using the die on the specific action to move happiness. Mm -hmm. It feels that getting to the high levels and getting the bonuses and getting the, the points for it feels like that's that's the, the mechanism that I, I struggle with. It usually what i do to get a thing is i build some buildings to raise my population then i go there with a six to put six uh or five spots on my happiness which also means that the fact that you can go up one or two to get two scribes is something that i almost never do um so that that's the part that i'm not 100 percent convinced about yeah and that was to Kenu. And we'll have to wait and see if it's on my list. Number three <laughs> is a game that I only played once, but it made such a lasting impression. And I've talked about this game ad nauseum, so I'm sure you can find it on many, <laughs> many episodes of our podcast. But what is it? It is on Mars. Oh, yeah. So that is a game from Vital Lacerda. And artist Ian O'Toole, also from Eagle Griffin Games. So I'm sensing a theme of the art and publisher that I'm I, 2020 has been trending towards for me. Um, so it's it's so good. Like I, 
I've talked about it so much. It's just, it's super thematic. It has a lot of different buildings and you really feel even more so than terraforming Mars that you're like actually like making something on this planet and the mechanisms are thematic and it's just super cool. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous game. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, the one thing that, well, two things that are why it's not higher for me is that the weight of the game, like on BGG is very heavy. So I may Mm -hmm. not get it to the table as often as I would like. And then also along with the weight comes a significant time. So um, I think I said that it did take a few hours for us to play our first game because it was both of our first games, but it was so good. And it, it, it's still like, I long to play it so much. So um, that will be coming to me hopefully soon um, f- along with the other Ian O'Toole <laughs> Eagle Griffin game that is uh, on its way. Also Vitale Lacerda uh, Kanban. So um, we shall see. And um, we talked about it actually in episode one and two. Um, so we talk extensively about it if you want to go and check it out. And that was your number three, I think, right? Yep, number three. My number three is um, Lost Aurora, um, which is a Kickstarter game that is now out uh, in in regular distribution. Um, it's it's again very different. That's what propelled it to to my number three. Is by Mauro Chiavotto uh, for Pendragon uh, Game Studio. Um, it's the setting is basically Mad Max in ice. It's this caravan you're running and you're trying to get to the Last Aurora, which is this ship that is sailing away and you're trying to get there. So it's a race game, but it's a ra- race game that is propelled by very Euro-y mechanics. You draft cards and you activate cards with resources to try and move your car ahead and you are balancing moving ahead with... Uh, staying behind because staying behind is uh, less risky because the further you go, the more uh, things can shoot at you, which is uh, uh, the only uh, partially random mechanism of the game. Um, And this drafting is very painful because you are balancing how much the card costs to get with what the card does and with what the space where the card is um, does. And you are collecting people that allow you to get more stuff and parts for your uh, caravan, like weapons and uh, trailers and things like that. And it's visually very impressive. It works very well thematically. It plays relatively fast, although with two. With four, it got a little long, but mostly because we didn't know the rules. And I really liked it. Um, And that's Last Aurora. So, I have never heard of this game, but just on first impressions of looking at it, it looks kind of ugly. Well, uh, opinions, everyone has its own, and it's all <laughs> wrong. The board, the board is, it looks weird compared to games that you normally like. Well, 
it it fits with the theme, right? It's it's this icy land on which the, the little cars are moving, and there are very tiny meeples. Well, they're not meeples, tiny miniatures, um, and they are they are really nice. I think, but I will reserve judgment until I see it in person. Uh, what what is not to like? Uh, I don't know. I don't understand the map. It looks weird. First of all, there are two maps, so maybe you don't like one and you will like the other. Maybe. Second, it's an icy <laughs> landscape. What were you expecting? I don't know. Color? Yeah, more color. <laughs> color I mean, dye. I mean, it's no, uh, you know, tool art, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also see that, oh, there are two versions because um, there a lot of the images are from the Polish version, which is in the Neuroshima X yeah. universe, and it's completely different visually. Not not oh. in spirit, right? Not in spirit. So if you don't like the whiteness, you will you might not like the other one. I'm not trying to to save the the impression of the game on you, but I am actually surprised that there are two two very different versions. I knew that they had reteamed it in the Hiroshima hack. Um, Neuroshima X environment, but I didn't know that they also changed some of the art. Okay, um, that was my number three. All right, we're getting down to it now. Yep. Um, you know that we couldn't have had a top ten without Stefan Feld being somewhere on my list, right? Ooh. So number two is Bonfire. From Stefan Feld, published by Hall Games, or also Pegasus Spiel. Um, so Bonfire is it's classic Feld, classic uh, contemporary Feld. You are trying to do so many different things <laughs> with so few actions, um, and the only time I played this is solo. Mm -hmm. um, and I made a huge mistake <laughs> playing it solo. And that was, so the options, it said that the game ends either normally, and then you take your, so it's a race to get a lot done, but it's not really a race. If you're playing against a normal human person, um, <laughs> It still has, like, the timer element, but, like, against the solo person, it's really a race because you're trying to get all these things done to prevent the the AI from just, like, scoring all these points. And mm -hmm. I did not know that it was a race. And oh, okay. So, and so by the end, I was like, oh, it said it either ends when something happens or... um you go through the AI's deck four times. I was like, oh, I have plenty of time. The AI's deck four times, golden. <laughs> and he, by the end, he was just like scoring points, scoring points, scoring points, scoring points. And I was like, oh, no. So I lost horribly by like over 50 points because um, I just it, let him like It looks really stuff. interesting. It looks... Um different because it has those uh, menu of goals rather than the regular 
do a little bit of everything and get points. Yeah. But I look forward to trying it. It's one of those that uh, when I made my last game order, it was out of stock in the specific store I was buying it from. It's mm-hmm. coming. I know it's coming at some point. I looked into it and it doesn't look like it has any of the two things that I sometimes don't like in Feld. One, uh, again, not anyone's fault, but the special element being very prominent. I, I don't like in games. Uh, and one instead sometimes is is things, and that's, I think it's a flaw of the games, is uh, being very disjointed, right? Having a lot of little sub-things that don't mesh well together. But this doesn't seem like it has any of those, and so I'm quite positive I will like it. Yeah, it's... It's very cool. Like it's you get the little missions and you try and get specialists and then you try and score points, but you want to make sure that you have enough things done before those points are scored. So I'm really excited to play this with a human person. <laughs> My number 2 is uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Um I like it that much. Wow. And- um, I even considered putting on on one, but then I realized that my number one was, which is already wrong, as I mentioned before, it's a, not a 2020 release, but that's not here nor there. Um, gave me so much pleasure that I, I decided it topped it. Uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak, I expected to like it. As I said, I bought into the hype. I, I knew what it was, and uh, I chose that over Dune's Imperium. Um, but I... I I loved it even more than I expected. The theme is one of my favorite themes, exploration in this quasi-Indiana Jonesy thing. Uh, the deck builder that is a slow deck builder. You are guaranteed to draw the cards that you uh, buy because you put them underneath the deck rather than uh, on the discard pile. Your discards get immediately put back into the into the deck. You shuffle everything that is out and put it on the bottom of the deck, which takes away some ambiguity in other games. So that is this game yet in my discard or not? Uh, the cards, since you get so few, are very relevant. Uh, and yep. um, and the, the, the board, you have different avenues, uh, although not different strategies, because you still need to do what, what you need to do, which is move up on the different tracks and things like that. But each card feels so significant and so different. And as you mentioned, the artifacts, the fact that as soon as you buy them, you can activate them immediately. And the progression, you go from, oh, um, is this all I can do? Go here, get a little things, and then I don't even get to use them because I'm out of workers. Because again, each round you can either put, well, you can do as many actions as you want, but some of the most interesting actions require you to send a worker, a meeple, and you only have two meeples. So you will probably do seven to ten actions every every round, but only a couple are very, uh, very interesting. Uh, but the, what you can do grows, and you have a lot of resources that you can spend on doing different things, and then you get assistants that are activatable powers, and the game balloons. And at the beginning, you are like, okay, I went here and there, and I bought this thing. And in the last round, you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And the way to keep going is something that you need to figure out. There are other games in which at the end you do more, but not like this. Because here is, okay, wait, with these two things, I can unlock this other thing. And this has given me this small thing that I can use here. And there are so many decisions and the colors and the theme and the 
I, I, I love it. Um, I can't wait to play it again. Um, and I'm very happy. I hope that they expand on it. I really like it. I really think that it was a good, complete game. I really enjoyed it. Um, and like you said, the the deck building, just the mechanics of what you, how you're deck building was very fresh and it helped mitigate uh, a lot of the things that I don't particularly like about deck building, which aren't very many, but um, it just, it really elevated deck building for me. Um, and I, I really... hope, yeah, and I hope that going forward, either this uh, style put it underneath the deck, or even uh, Taverns of Defense style put it on top of the deck. That deck buildings going forward take that to to heart. Uh, meaning, yeah. okay, I might not rely on the deck because you never know how it shuffled, but at least I get to use the stuff that I bought right away. This mm-hmm. turn or the next turn, and I think that that's such. Once someone thought about it, is such an easy thing to implement and so obvious. But I can see how getting to it is, is not immediate, right? Because it's well, you get it into your deck when you reshuffle. That makes sense. But this is so much better for me. Yeah. Uh, have you tried the the back side, the other the other no, side? Not of yet. So that's also some variety, not as much as an expansion, probably because it doesn't introduce new cards, but it has some some differences. Okay, shock me with your number one. It's not a shock. Well, you've, it's a good game, though. You've already predicted it. It's Tekenu, Obelisk of the Sun, from Tashini and Tertsi, with from Board and Dice. Um, so I have played this game probably the most of any game that I've played in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I play it, I love all of the things that are all the different options, all the different tasks that you can do. I love how the, the obelisk itself works where you're moving things in and out of shadows. And, and so now this is accessible or this dice that you were planning on isn't accessible. And it just, Everything about it clicks for me. I will 100% always play it, no matter you know who who wants to play it. 100% just think it's a really smooth experience. Um, I like everything about it. I know you were saying that you didn't particularly like the population or the um, happiness mechanism, and I I don't know. I just think that it all sort of clicks for me. Um, I think it is very smooth. You are absolutely right. For a game with so many, um, so many things, it is it is extremely smooth, right? Uh, Which is what reminds me of of Solkin. They are very different games. They don't uh, the mechanism. Almost none is uh, is similar to 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 Solkin. Um, You don't have workers that you place and all of that. But that, oh, there is a lot to keep track of, but it comes down to this very smooth core is what makes it delicious. Um, You're also very, very good at it, um, which uh, I I liked. Uh, I liked our game. It was competitive and and tough, and um, I want to play it again with you. Uh, I have played it only 
three times, but I I like it a lot. Yeah, and I even like that that um, the bonuses that you get from like statues are you can you they include those uh, little like cover tokens, so you can change like what bonuses you get from certain things. So it the replayability is super super high on this, and then also like what cards you get for like the little bonus powers and all that. It's just way way up there for me i just really really enjoy this game yeah and i think that that replayability replayability that comes from cards is more interesting than the replayability that comes from the statues being in a different order mm-hmm. um it's and the pillars also the, the way the pillars come out yep. is make it definitely different that's another thing probably that i find less exciting the fact that they went with the pillars being shaded um that's at the same time more complexity that maybe doesn't really add much to the game. And it is a little sometimes sad. Oh, there is no pillar that will give you a bonus right now because right. it's the wrong color. But but overall, I really, really like it. Um, and we, we talked a lot about it in episode 20. So if people want to check out our longer discussion of this is in episode 20. My number one for 2020 is actually a game from late 2019. I almost bought it at PAX in 2019 and then got it shortly after. Played through it in uh, 2020 and it's Clank Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I already liked Clank uh, quite a bit and I was actually waiting, not for the Legacy game because I didn't know it would come out, but um, I was waiting for a big box because it frustrated me that there were so many small uh, expansions here and there. But um, Clank Legacy is at the same time one of my favorite deck builders and my favorite Legacy game. Uh, it was an incredibly fun experience that makes the interesting little stories with very solid mechanisms, like each story addresses something it adds an element or it gives you a a challenge for the the for the current game uh it changes the game constantly but without making it unrecognizable Um, it has an ease of rule explanation that is due to clank being a very smooth game but that carries into the legacy game the way it adds objectives but with the fact that it's not a super tight hero euro makes it so that you don't feel the frustration that, for example, Anna in particular uh, felt when we were playing Charterstone, where, wait, it's a Euro and mid-game through the game, you tell me that there is a new rule, that 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 doesn't fly, that's bad. <laughs> While here is, oh, you have another thing that you can do, or you have gained a card, and it worked very well, you can customize the cards. And what I really like is that I can't wait to play on the board again. We haven't yet, because you uh, may want to play through it, Ryan and Rachel may want to play through it. So we haven't had other people to play it with because we wanted to share our our big board, but uh, that would be spoilery. But it's definitely a game that I want to try, not just to revisit my campaign, but because I now have a perfectly functionable uh, Clank copy, um, and I loved it. I talked a lot about it in, in episode 15 and before, um, and... Yeah, it was definitely the game that gave me the most pleasure in 2020. So I got this for Scott for Christmas this year. 
I think you will love it. Um, it's not mean. There are no attack cards in Clank. There is competition. You're trying to get to the same thing, but there is no, uh, oh, like in Dominion, discard cards or right. a course or anything like that. Um, and the stories are of the right length, meaning that when you're reading something during the game, you don't go into, oh, now we have to read a page and enough, right? You reread four sentences that introduce a new to- a new goal, and it it's very, very... So our first game, and we both died. Oh, that's bad. Uh, it only happened once yeah. that we both died. Um, the, the nice thing is that you don't get set back too much, right? Especially when you both die. Um, that's one game that I actually, I like it with two a lot, and I think it would feel very different with four. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I will ever experience the, the, the campaign again. Um, so before wrapping this up, um, and by the way, if you're listening, we will see what our schedule will be. We're trying to get back to regularity, but um, it might be, uh, let's say that it will be a, a, at least one every two weeks. We'll see if we can do more, but uh, tackling the the once a week proved a little tricky for us. So we will go to once every two weeks and maybe more. Um, but I wanted to ask you whether there were other games that came out in 2020 besides the ones we mentioned that are on the um, top of your list to try. Um, for me, I tried a few of the other big ones, uh, Mezzo, uh, Forgotten Waters, Mysterium Park, all things that uh, Brussels 1897 that are uh, popping up on some people's list. One that I never got to try and that disappeared from the radar was something that we saw together at PAX, Ettin, which was supposed to be the deck builder that you play in pairs of two. Um, but the games that I really would like to try beside the aforementioned Viscount, Viscount um, is Alter Quest, which is a big uh, corporate dungeon crawler, so definitely not your thing. Uh, Back to the Future, which I own, but I haven't tried yet. Um, Dwellings of Everdale, which looks something that I feel if you try, you will have to track down of a very, very deluxe edition. So I don't know I if I should. I just bought it. Oh, you just bought it, the, the deluxe version? Of course. Oh, because it was it was available. I, I saw that it was available. Yeah. So um great. <laughs> <laughs> the last one, which I think we would both like for different reasons, is Star Wars Unlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love it because it's Star Wars, you would probably like it a lot because it's uh unlock. Uh but the one weird thing that I want to mention is Vampire the Masquerade Heritage which is another legacy game that I don't feel like I have enough friends who are in Vampire the Masquerade to get into, but it's supposed to be a very smooth legacy game. Although I don't know, that might be 2021. I, I have not checked. Anyhow, w- is there anything else that you look forward that came out in 2020 that you want to to address or mention? So yeah, I was looking very heavily into Dwellings of Everdale and the, or Ever Eldervale, not Everdale. Mm-hmm. That would be a very interesting crossover game. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was at the beginning. Dwellings of Elder Vale. Um, and yeah, today they just posted on Facebook that they had some copies left over from the Kickstarter campaign. So I was like, well, you know, I really was interested in this. I missed the Kickstarter. So I'm just going to go all in and get the biggest 
thing. So, uh, yeah, that should be coming. <laughs> um, I played Fort, which was okay. A lot of people were very like hyped about it, but it didn't really resonate with me. Um, I'm interested in playing Tidal Blades. Oh yeah, me too. Um, that was something that we considered when we saw it at Gen Con. We went, oh, we need this when it comes to Kickstarter. When it came to Kickstarter, it was one of those where um, the deluxe edition was very pricey compared yeah. to... And I must say that now that I've seen some gameplay online, I definitely want to try it. I might end up buying the retail version. It's definitely not a game that I need to be a centerpiece of my collection. Yeah. Praga Caput Regni? Oh, Praga Caput Regni. Yeah. I want to try that. I know very little about it because there are not many, many reviews out. No, I have it though. Um, I punched it all and built the little structures. <laughs> but it looks really cool. The the action selection mechanism with um, you use tiles and you pick one of the two tiles and depending on where it is on the rondelle, get stuff. Um, you either get stuff or you have to pay extra. There's a lot going on, but it looks really cool. So I'm pretty, pretty excited for that. Um, another one that that has piqued my interest, but um, has not been... Well, oh, wait, before I say that one. Uh, I also have Merv, which Scott and I played. What is that? The Heart of the Silk Road. That I don't know at all. Really? I have, oh yeah, I saw it. Uh, it looks nice. Yeah, it's gorgeous because it's from Ian O'Toole. <laughs> and what about the gameplay? Um, I've only played it once and um, we played it as two players. And so we had to play it with a an AI. Oh, it's a market game though. It's It's a lot. It's a lot of different things because you're building walls to protect from barbarians you're doing you're trying to trade you're trying to um it's it's really good i i really think that you should give it a shot i will definitely try it this looks exactly like the the thing that i want to try and maybe play it from time to time i don't think it's a game that i for my taste need to own but it's very beautiful and it looks interesting for at least a one a one shot. Well, um, we started 2021 with uh, 2020, obviously, because uh, talking about the best games of 2021 would be a little premature. Um, so <laughs> if we look back, um, it's nice to be back and we will try to, to get back on schedule with um, getting back to the reviews and things like that. Uh, but... Um, that's all I have for now. Um, as usual, we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram, which I think is the most active of our outlets. We are reachable via email at borgengambit at gmail.com. I can't overstate how useful, refreshing, and inspiring it is when we, we hear from some of you. Um, we don't have this super strong uh, social media presence, so it's rare. But when we do, it's always a pleasure to to chat with with some of our uh, listeners. 
So please do consider reaching out on either BGG, Facebook, Instagram, email, whatever. Uh, we're not, well, we're technically on Twitter, but uh, we never tweet anything. So uh, it's as if we were not. Um, <laughs> else that, I'm, that I'm forgetting. I think that that's all there is. Yeah. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you for the nice comments and, and feedback. And we look forward to getting back on schedule and being able to put out more content. We're excited. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm Nathan. And I'm Jackie. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.